Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the AI Spy. I am super excited to be back with another season. And in season two, I, the first topic I wanted to talk about was uh, deepfakes. So today I wanted to uh, take a deep dive into deepfakes. If you've read the news recently, there's been a lot of news around deepfakes and their impact. And I've been kind of a skeptic of how deepfakes can impact banking fraud. And uh, the best way to deal with any kind of skepticism is to talk to an expert. So joining me today on my show is professor and chair at Rochester Institute of Technology, Matthew Wright, who is a, a, an esteemed authority in cybersecurity and adversarial machine learning techniques. Matt, it's a pleasure to have you. Well, thanks for having me on, Rob. So Matt, would you like to introduce or add anything to, um, uh, uh, so that my listeners can know you better? Sure. So I've been working in the field of cybersecurity for a little over two decades now, and I've been in academia the whole time. And the, um, you know, my work has taken me on a lot of twists and turns uh, over the years. Uh, I only really started getting into machine learning and deep learning in about <clears throat> about 2015-2016 um, is when that really became a bigger part of my research activity. And then um, in about 2018, we started uh, looking into the topic of deepfakes. We were uh, looking at some opportunities around the uh, as as the deepfakes were coming into into play, we we're looking at opportunities to say, well, what could we do about this? And you know, could we contribute something? And so then we started the deepfake project, um, where we've been working ever since to try to detect uh, deepfakes and work with journalists and other folks to make sure that they could use a tool that we developed uh, and it would be effective and helpful for them. Excellent. So we'll we'll go um, uh, we'll talk about defake in a little more detail. But I, I want to start at the very very basic of what goes into producing um, a defake. You know, earlier I was telling you uh, that when I grew up, people would just cut out the heads from a yearbook and then stick it on a magazine. That was that is what used to pass as a defake when I was growing up. Probably I'm giving away my age with that, but it's okay. But uh, I think, <laughs> but I think it's gotten a little more sophisticated. So what goes into producing a defake? Sure. So first of all, a deep fake is just going to be any audio, video or image that has been either generated by or manipulated by artificial intelligence. Right. So the AI piece or deep learning piece is the kind of key differentiator between, say, like Photoshop would be sort of the analog yeah. from from earlier times or if it's audio to you know, taking chunks of audio and splicing it together to make somebody sound like they kind of said something, uh, right? Like it never quite worked right. Um, but uh, so with deep learning, what you can do is start with a training data set. So you learn a lot of information from existing videos or existing audio, and you can build up that training data set um, in when deepfakes were first coming out, it'd really be a focused data set about a particular person. So you're really trying to hone in on, um, let's say, the president, and you're like, okay, we're going to just focus in on what it is that the president says, all his videos or audio or whatever. And 
um, learn those patterns through deep learning. And then it turns out that uh, starting in about 2014, people were figuring out, well, not only can we use deep learning to, to do classification, figure out what something is, we can reverse the process and you can take the deep learning and first boil down the information to just a small chunk. And then you can take that same information and reverse the process to regenerate it. And as you regenerate it, then the trick with deepfakes is that then you can modify it as you go along. So you can, for example, take one video and you extract all the information about it. And that's, let's say, this is what Joe Biden looks like. This is what Joe Biden talks like and encapsulate all of that into one little chunk. And then in another little chunk, you have a video of yourself and now you're talking, right? Mm -hmm. So you get the same uh, squeezing down of that information into just a little chunk. And then you can kind of switch the decoder. So the decoder would be the part that takes the little chunk and turns it back into a video. And instead of doing Joe Biden to Joe Biden, you take uh, what you're saying from the uh, from your video and you feed it into the Joe Biden decoder. And that's what turns it into you talking and whatever it is that you say is what now Joe Biden says. OK, so uh the process that you you just described it seems like a very involved and uh, and a complex process and um, any any uh, neural net machine learning algo requires quite a lot of uh, training data so um, and you said you've been following this for uh, 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 close to a decade now so what was like the uh, inflection point where we saw that oh it's getting easier because I imagine it requires quite a lot of data to train any any sort of algorithm um, so yeah, absolutely. So um, I think the big thing that came out was around 2017. Uh, we had the Barack Obama paper where they um, synthesizing Obama was the, the mm -hmm. lead on the paper, and basically at that point, President Obama had been president for long enough that there were many, many videos of him and lots of data of him speaking. And they could use all of that and feed that into making a really good model, it's very specific to President Obama. But the technique, of course, could be used for anybody as long as you had enough data. So at the time, um, that was just the idea is that we're just going to feed it all the data about someone. I think what's happened over the last few years is that we are now seeing models that the whole idea is that they learn from lots of videos about lots of people. So you have lots of images of lots of people speaking. You can put all of that together and then you have kind of a, uh, a language of what it is that people look like when they're talking. And with that language, then you can say, okay, now I just, I want a video. Here's, here's a few images. Here's like 30 seconds of mm -hmm. this person speaking and i'm going to use that as a seed and say okay what model now what i want you to do is take based on the seed i want you to take it and make it say and then type the text that you want right so all it all it takes is like a 30 second seed uh, to to generate a defect today 
So to do DPIC audio, it okay. takes just 30 seconds to make a really high quality DPIC audio. And if you have, the more that you have, the better, but basically um, it's kind of like when uh, we used to uh, test keyboards, you, you have the quick fox jumps over the lazy dog. Yeah. So if you yeah. can kind of capture most of the sounds that a person would make in 30 seconds, then you're going to be, that's going to be um, basically good enough to reproduce most of what their speaking behavior looks like. If you have four minutes or something like that, then you're even going to be able to do, to do better. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I always feel like, um, you know, we, uh, we all grow up in different parts of the world. Um, we learn at different rates. So the way we pronounce uh, a few words, like my accent, for example, is a mix of all the different countries I've lived in. Um, uh, so I pronounce different words uh, differently. And, and there are unique traits that, that stay with me and how I speak. So when I'm delivering a one hour long uh, talk, I would during, you know, I can, if, if it's 30 seconds, I can perfect my, let's say, American accent or a British accent and few words. Uh, like, you know how people would say, uh, top of the morning to you. Uh, um, so <laughs> it's, 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 it's easy to fake when it's a very small splice. But when it's a longer, that, that, that's when I, uh, I hope you, uh, you, you're getting where I'm going with this. But when I feel like 30 second splice, that's um, uh, too, too little. And is that where the inaccuracies in the defect arise uh, or one of the, uh, the reasons why? Yeah, that, so that's a great question. I think that uh, the first thing I think about when I hear some of the deep fake audio that's come out, um, and some of it's very high quality, I think emotion and some of the variance that comes in speech. Mm -hmm. uh, now, you can tell the model, okay, for this sentence, I want the oh. output to be you know, angry or excited or whatever, you can do that. But if you just say, okay, produce, here's an hour long speech, um, it's not going to automatically add those pieces in the emotion, <laughs> the change of tonality, certainly so not be, like very, well, it'll be very monotonic. Uh, if I, if I don't provide those, those hints or guidance to the model saying that vary it, add anger, add the emotions, it'll be very, Okay, so I, I, I think I get, uh, I get what you're saying. Um, so uh, recently, in the last two weeks, there have been so many, uh, so many uh, male, you know, like prominent figures who've, um, who've been defaked. Uh, President Biden, uh, uh, Taylor Swift. Uh, we also saw a, a large uh, company in Hong Kong being defrauded where their CFO, uh, and I think they defraud, they, they defect six people on, uh, in very high positions. Are there any other notable cases? You mentioned about the Obama papers. Any other notable cases that come to mind? Yeah, I think deepfakes have been applied to many different people. I think um, if you look on YouTube or some other uh, platform, you can find um, all sorts of fun and interesting ones that are based in entertainment and movies that have been developed over the years. Um, a, a really high quality set of fun ones came out, um, I guess it's about three years ago now, that's on uh, Tom Cruise. And, you know, Tom Cruise first just speaking, but then you have him, there's a video of him where he takes a golf shot. And it's, uh, at the time, that was really 
uh, impressive from a technological point of view because it's one thing when you just have someone's head facing the camera and talking. That's easy, relatively speaking. But when they're moving around is when you start to see like, oh, like I turn my head and mm -hmm. then like a weird, you know, yeah. angle here because what's happening underneath is that there's, you know, the face of Tom Cruise and the face of the original person are kind of merged here. So there might be, you know, kind of weird artifacts that come because in particular when you're turning your head and, and moving around, but they've got him, you know, doing that, doing, um, uh, doing a magic trick. Um, and you know, there's these fun things that, um, you know, that, but they made some really high quality, uh, you know, even if you're stopping and slowing it down, zooming it in, there's very few mistakes. We have one uh, that my student caught that, that apparently when he's pulling up, he's got sunglasses and he puts up his sunglasses. And just for a second, you can kind of see through the sunglasses like they're not there mm. um, and like they're disappeared. So uh, so there's subtle things, but it's it's very tricky to spot that one. So um, I wanted to ask you this earlier at the at the beginning, but I forgot about it. So when this technology was developed, you said initially deep learning was used for classification and then someone started to say, OK, let's go backwards. It's it, uh, let's try to see, uh, let get back to the source in, in, in a way. Yep. Uh, what was uh, was was there any practical applications of deep fakes that were imagined like other than scamming people or uh, entertainment, <laughs> um, or was it sure. just pure research gut saying that okay, let's let's do this and see? Sometimes research is that way, so I, I get it. But yeah, I think when the the original idea came out, it was just oh, this is a cool research idea, right? <laughs> um, and there are some really nice uh, applications of deepfakes that uh, have positive uses in society. So a good one is therapy. So there's actually companies already doing this where you can, let's say you've lost somebody and, um, you know, someone mm -hmm. in, you know, close to you has died and you want to uh, talk with them because there are things that you weren't able to say when they were alive. Right. Or, yeah. you know, and then uh, the, the with deep fakes, you could talk with if you have video of them, if you have audio of them, then you could recreate that experience of talking with them. Um, and you just need somebody sitting there to, um, you know, create reasonable responses to plug into the system, but it's able to do it. The, um, there are some, in addition to, so entertainment is not to be totally dismissed. It's just, you know, it's not just YouTube videos. It's also, um, you know, the movies, it's Star Wars and Disney, right? Who are yeah. using this. Uh, and then there's other things that are coming online. So there's a museum in Florida, the Dali Museum, where they have a deep fake exhibit where you can go up to Salvador Dali, who of course is dead, and yeah. you can talk with him and you can, he'll take a selfie with you, right? So... So there's a lot of cool stuff that can be done, um, and we're only really starting to see those potential applications. Uh, so, you know, we, of course, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are some yep, good yep. here. We'd love to have some of those nice applications actually come into the world. Uh, but, um, of course, at the same time, there's, um, 
you know, so much danger and, and cost with it that it's it's difficult right now. So uh, for the for the for the longest time, I've I've been a big skeptic of, uh, and I let's clarify, I I work in um, banking fraud prevention, yeah, and uh, the topic comes up every year. People would predict that this is going to be the year when we'll see more AI powered fraud. Right. Deep fake or generative AI powered fraud uh, of late, but I've been a skeptic for 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 a very long time, and I, until recently, I, even today, I'm, I'm still skeptical because yes, there will be the one-off cases, but to uh, we'll I always think that we will never see this at, at scale, and my reasons being that one is the traditional methods still work today. People are still stealing checks, counterfeiting checks, and they they're making uh, quite. I mean, the fraudsters they they are able to do that at scale the identity theft and all the traditional methods that they have developed over the years are still working very well so why would now i i switch and try something different um and secondly i've always believed uh, that the cost that or and the time the time and cost and effort that someone would have to put in to um generating deep fakes generating ai based uh, fraud would outweigh the the benefits uh, the benefits of it um but um i am i'm i'm now almost a fence sitter i'm on the edge i'm not sure given given what we've seen last week with uh, with the company being defrauded 25 million dollars i'm not sure so on based on your analysis is there a cost to benefit ratio is it getting cheaper easier to generate deep fakes and more convincing ones because i've seen a few like i went on did and hey Jen and i was able to generate a few but there, there are telltale signs. You can easily spot and say that oh, yeah, yeah, this, this is a fake. Um, and uh, if I can tell them, more sophisticated machines can also detect those. So, uh, but, but based on uh, your research, have you seen that this is the, the, uh, the amount of effort and cost it takes? Is it's, it's getting cheaper and easier uh, for yeah, people to produce? Absolutely, it's definitely getting cheaper. Um, and so, for example, and let's start with voice because I think that's where. Uh, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to fraud as as we see with the Hong Kong example that's exactly the like perfect application here if you're uh, for, first of all you can go online to 11 labs or uh, several other other of these sites they produce very high quality audio if you can give it just a reasonable length clip well, now we're talking about you know chief financial officer or CEO or someone else of that type of stature. Guess what? There's probably YouTube videos of them giving a talk, right? Yep. So uh, especially for the larger companies, which are going to be the better targets. So okay, so there's uh, the the raw material is available. Um, the tools are available. Some of them you can use literally for free. Uh, you know, to get a certain, you're limited on like how much can you get out of it um, and so on. But you pay a, a relative, you know, especially if we're talking about millions of dollars of fraud, a tiny amount, um, and you're able to use the tools to generate um, this audio. It is the case that the companies who produce these tools often will put out like a detector that specifically detects their audio but if you're on a phone call you're not running a detector right mm -hmm. so what are you going to do you're you're being told using you know basically standard uh scam phishing type of techniques that there's urgency that there's something needs to be done quickly 
um, and you don't have time to, you, you, even if you could be like, okay, hold on, let me record your voice, which is weird, um, and you probably shouldn't be doing for all sorts of other reasons, and then I'm going to feed that into a deepfake detector, yeah. um, and maybe I put it into the wrong one, like, oh, you're using this this company is right. exactly 11 labs and it's like, oh, okay, well, I got the wrong one and it didn't detect it correctly. Like, these are not things that people are used to having to do. So on that front, the audio front, I see this as probably uh, a big growth area if you're, <laughs> if you're investing in, um, in bad guys scamming, then this is, um, I think, a very likely area to grow. If you get outside of audio and you go to like video, then uh, the technology hasn't caught up yet. Mm -hmm. um, it is, uh, you know, it's going to come in. It's going to be not quite as good. Could you, could you make it so that people believe that it's a Zoom call? I think we're getting there, um, but it, it may not even be needed as long as you can leverage audio if most people are using uh are used to using phone calls anyway then um you know i think that's going to work for quite a while so there i would be pretty concerned okay yeah so um i think audio is a, a preferred method of attack so the, the banking contact centers uh, are all call based um they would ask you uh, verification details which can easily be uh, found online uh, through the data breaches. So uh, I think uh, uh, fraudsters, I, I do see that there is some, um, uh, that, that, that that could become a method of attack uh, at scale that uh, more and more audio fakes are generated and that, that those are used to call in the, the contact centers. But there are companies who are putting in um, software uh, to uh, to detect the audio in, in real time. But like you said, there are so many different uh, decoders that you don't know which one to use, and there could be uh, could be an opportunity there for them uh, them to exploit it. Uh, one thing that while you were speaking about uh, some of the companies that that help generate these deepfakes, audio and video, um, could there be like like you know when I'm chatting with ChatGPT and I ask a question, hey, tell me how to build a bomb. I've never asked this question. Just to be clear to everybody who's listening, I've never asked this, but. If so, I ask, then it chat GPT never comes back with the response because there are content moderation um, or there are uh, the, the exceptions that are built into the platform to not allow certain things, not allow them to uh, generate certain things. So could yeah. the same technique be applied to these uh, deepfake video generators uh, where we could say, hey, um, don't generate something which says that, oh, I had a car accident, mom, can you please come and help me? Uh, can you uh, wire funds to so-and-so? Yeah, um, some of those guardrails might be effective. Um, I guess two caveats. Number one, um, there's lots of people who are figuring out all sorts of ways to get past guardrails as it is when you're talking about ChatGPT and these other um, models. So uh, it's unclear that we've even found the, the right guardrail solution to really be effective. And then uh, the other thing is that uh, some of these models are going open source um, or being stolen or um, hmm. there are techniques to even like, you know, just use queries uh, to test the model until you get enough information that you can reproduce it. 
there's a lot of ways that people can get their hands on on equivalent models that are doing just as well, um, but and then run them on their own infrastructure or steal someone else's access to someone else's infrastructure and run it. So I, I wouldn't um, feel particularly safe just because those guardrails are in place. And it's also, you know, because it is this wild west of companies just launching and uh, putting their models out there and making these free trials and everything easily available. I do not think uh, it's something that can be relied on uh, very, very much. Okay. Uh, one last question before we uh, jump into defake is uh, the, uh, I read something about fingerprinting that you could uh, generate, uh, you know, how, how um, photographs used to be watermarked. Yep. The same similar technique could be applied to audio and video files where we gen uh, add a watermark or a fingerprint, which makes it uh, um, hard to f uh, generate a fake out of that or you at least yep. can be used to tell. Which, is that something that's possible? Yeah, that's something that people are actively working on. Uh, and, you know, we we see a lot of papers out about that. One of the things that we know is that this technique is difficult when you're dealing with digital media because um, there are techniques to remove the watermarks, right? So you can, yeah, oh. you could, you know, and I think it is probably the right thing to do nevertheless to try to embed some watermarks in them into these images and, and audio and everything. However, um, there's well-known techniques to remove them um, if and those techniques if you know anything about the watermarking uh, method that's being used you can probably figure out how to remove that watermark without damaging the image or audio in any significant way um, unless the you know those watermarks like the, the other trade-off point is that you can make the watermark so big that it becomes visible or audible and then but then, of course, you can't use the tool for a lot of the purposes you would want to use the tool for because it'll, yeah. it'll mess up that uh, image or audio. So so I'm, uh, of all the different types of solutions, I'd say I'm relatively more skeptical in the watermarking arena. Um, I'll give you another uh, option, which I think uh, has more long-term promise, which is um, having let's say every camera and every microphone that's out there in every phone and every computer, et cetera, comes embedded with a little chip. And every time it, it gets a recording, it saves that with a, uh, the saved file always will have uh, a little signature with it that says mm -hmm. this is the data that was generated here. And then whenever there's questions about is that video real is that the real thing that if it is legitimate someone would be able to put the put that original signature for the original content make it available to someone to review to check and okay. that, that content provenance is what it's called and i think that that has more hope now, obviously, that's going to take some time before every phone, every you know computer, and you know, every device, both for audio and video camera, all have those chips in them. 
and before at the same time you have to have uh, you know every major platform social media company everything having something to like check everything yeah. to decide whether it's been validated if it's validated you know because mm -hmm. I have a green you know stamp on it what's the what that mechanism is going to be but at least that has um, you know that what that gets us to is a point where if it doesn't have the green stamp on it then you should think that it's probably been manipulated somehow or another or AI generated. And then, you know, it's like, if this is for entertainment, then it's for entertainment. That's fine. Uh, but if it's for, uh, you know, if it's supposed to be news, if it's supposed to be, you know, a world leader talking, then you go, okay, well, that shouldn't, you know, it doesn't have the green stamp. It's not real. Someone generated that. We just move on. Yeah. So uh, now let's switch to something a little more uh, optimistic. We've been talking about how people can generate deepfakes, but let's talk about the deepfake project that you and your team have been working on, uh, which will put a fight against deepfakes, will help in detection. So t uh, tell me more about what the deepfake project is and uh, the motivations behind starting this project. Yeah, so we are developing a deepfake detection tool that... Um, in addition to just being a you know technological piece of software, is also something that we are working with journalists and uh, intelligence analysts to understand. Well, if you had access to a deepfake detection tool, what would you need? What would mm -hmm. your expectations be? What would make it use more useful? What would make it less useful? And we found a lot of things. Uh, so, for example, even if uh, so, it turns out the easy thing to do, and I think you kind of hinted at this earlier, is if you can basically create uh, the the deepfakes uh, yourself, then you would be able to create a whole data set, and mm -hmm. then you'd be able to train a deep learning model on you know the, well, this is what fake ones look like. Here's a bunch of real ones, and you can distinguish between them. And yeah. it does turn out that that works pretty well and is generally pretty accurate. Um, but it turns out at the same time that journalists and especially intelligence analysts do not trust it because it is a black box and it will not tell you exactly why it made mm -hmm. a choice. Um, there are techniques that you can use to try to tease out why um, the model made a decision, but it's not clear, especially in the deep fake context, whether they're reliable. So what we are also trying to do, although we have that technology, you know, if you've got something that's 99% accurate, you're going to put it yeah, up but, one way yeah. or the other. Um, but we're also trying to develop methods that are, you know, based on what you might call sort of old school computer vision where you're not using deep learning, you're just trying to analyze the data of the image and look for clues that would tell us, oh, okay, this might be fake, here's why, um, here's kind of the theory behind why, and then I could give that to an analyst who could break that down and go, okay, I see why the tool is saying that this you know, might be fake because it's, you know, it's too smooth, but it turns out that I'm looking at the picture and, you know, there's just a young person with smooth skin. So it's not, you know, maybe the, 
that mm-hmm. technique shouldn't be applied here and we yeah. need to look for other things right so so that's the kind of thing that we try to do in the project so that we can get um, not just accurate deepfake detection but something that would be really effective and useful in a tool for these folks and and this is currently uh, you you're targeting news uh, and fake news uh, if if is that that what you uh, you yeah i'd say focuses? that's our- yeah, that's our biggest emphasis. Um, like I mentioned, uh, the working with intelligence analysts is is really not that different fundamentally um, in terms of what they would want to know if they saw a video and weren't sure whether it's fake. Um, I, I guess a key difference is that um, an analyst sitting in, let's say, you know, the Pentagon or something is not going to um, go and talk to the person who who put out the video. Probably they're not going to have those that type of resource. Whereas that's the first thing a journalist is going to do. But at the same time, the intelligence analyst probably has more back end technology uh, available to them. So there's kind mm-hmm. of that trade off. We're trying to make some of that technology available to journalists, so um, you know for free, so that they can use it and and benefit from it without um, needing to you know given the how strapped many newsrooms are for resources. We think that that's a very important thing to be able to do. And and in what phase of your uh, development are you? Are you already in like a beta? You've tested testing it actively with so, so, some uh, publications, uh, some news news media. Right. So yeah, we have both. Uh, you know, we've put out some publications. We have some you know models that we've developed, and uh, we've got those running on the tool now. Um, we, you know, we're developing other techniques, like I talked about the, with the explainability and trying to make sure that people can uh, not just know whether the tool thinks it's fake, but why. And um, so those are still being developed. Um, and then, uh, you know, we have the tool available to journalists. So if they want to reach out, uh, they can go to defake.app and... Mm-hmm request a free account and we can uh, set them up with that. We don't let, we don't just put it out as a tool for anybody to use because right. one of the things that we worry about is uh, with deep learning in particular, that we know that the tool sometimes makes mistakes. We've seen some of those mistakes and we don't want someone using the tool and then saying, Oh, well, you know, the tool said it was, 99% fake or you know 99% real and that's the end of the story we need to make sure that whoever's using it has some sense of the uh, potential pitfalls of using AI to fight AI like yeah, yeah. just the basic the most basic example being um, if someone comes out with a new technique to generate deep fakes and we've never we don't have that data to train on then we're not going to catch it as fake most so, so when you said uh, a new technique, so you're looking at features of the audio and features of the video and then identifying some of those features, comparing them to your training data, like the real, uh, what a real video audio looks like. And then um, when you generate the result, you are actually explaining, saying that we see three of those five features are an, uh, are an anomaly, look uh, out of the ordinary, and that's why we think this there's, there's a 80% probability that this is fake. It's something like that. Uh, I, yeah, I know I'm I oversimplifying some, yeah. it, but well, yeah. I think what you have specified is kind of what I think our our ideal version of the tool would be, because 
Um, it is hard for us right now with our you know, black box deep learning to say, well, what are those three things? What are those mm. five things? Um, and, you know, we have, there are some indicators that can be used and, and we have some of them uh, that we're building into the tool, but um, we're not there yet, I would say, in terms of really being able to provide uh, convincing evidence that, you know, of what, you know, okay, your tool says that this is fake, but why do I, why do I believe yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. And, and and that sounds, see, I, I work in, uh, like I said, I work in uh, banking fraud prevention and uh, anti-money laundering. So when we, uh, in this field, um, when we started, in my field, in the bank, uh, the financial crime prevention field, when we started using machine learning initially, this was the same challenge that we had. Our machine learning models were predicting transactions to be fraudulent, transactions to be potential money laundering, but we were not able to explain why. Right. Um, we said that this, uh, and they were like, why, why should we believe you? Um, and it, 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 many iterations later, the explainability was built into those models, and now it is widely accepted uh, practice. But yes, the explainability is is great. But I think you have to start somewhere, and uh, I think you're going to the process where they're being manually reviewed. Uh, the, the, those things are the, the the results are being manually reviewed, and somebody says, yeah, yeah, I think this is a deep fake versus this is not a deep fake, and that and those reasons that they are providing you, that's that's again training data to improve the algorithm. So I think you're on a great path, and I think in an election year. Your tool is uh, going to be, uh, I am hoping, will be widely used by journalists. and they'll Yeah, it would be great if it didn't need to be widely used, but I, <laughs> I, have, a, so, have, yeah. a good, I have a feeling that it's probably going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Given that what, what we are already seeing, um, I think, I, and it's, uh, we, we are in February. By, by June, I, I, I'm, um, I know I shouldn't say this. Like I said, I, like you said, I, I really hope that it, it shouldn't be, but uh, I have a strong suspicion that uh, we will see uh, quite a lot of uh, deepfakes when it comes to the electoral process. Um, uh, Matthew, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for taking time out today and, and sharing all your insights. Um, and uh, really, really great work that you and your team are doing. Um, and I, I can't thank you enough for jo joining the session today. Yeah, it was a pleasure talking with you, Anurag. Yeah. And so, uh, listeners, that was our deep dive into deepfakes. Uh, so if, if you're listening to this and you found the episode uh, interesting, please like, share, subscribe on your, we are all on all of our, all of the uh, popular streaming platforms. Uh, we are also on Instagram. So follow us on Instagram for uh, short videos uh, and nuggets from, uh, from uh, if you, if you don't want to listen to the whole thing, follow us on Instagram where you can consume short bites of the same episodes. I'll see you again ne next week with another A-lister. Until then, signing off. Thank you.